Welcome to The Bitter Jury, your weekly or semi-weekly podcast recapping all the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the Big Brother 24 season. My name is Daniel Westoff, and wow, what a two weeks it has been. I left for a 12-day work trip and basically checked out of my Big Brother fandom for that entire time, and... I chose the wrong time to check out because during that time, we had The Leftovers exposed. We had Terrence become a multi-time competition winner. Michael might be on the verge of breaking Janelle's competition record. Uh, A wall yeller almost derailed the trajectory of the season. Feeds were shut down for days. And that doesn't even mention the chaos of the last 48 hours with Kyle being exposed as possibly a racist. We're going to save that for next week. Uh, We have plenty to discuss on this episode. And joining me tonight to break all that down is my co-host for the evening, my friend, Charles Matthews. Charles, how are you doing tonight, and what the hell happened this week? (laughs) Well, as always, I got my drink in my cup. Um, What the hell happened this week? I have no fucking clue, but that's why we're here, and I cannot wait to talk about how much bullshit... (laughs) has gone on since we've last been on together. Yes. No, it's going to be a very eventful episode. I'm excited to get into it. Let's just jump right into it. We're going to start with Taylor's HOH week, run through that. That was a little more calm and uh, on on the trajectory that the season was on that I thought when I left. That was a confusing way to say that, but leave it all in. Uh, Then we'll move on to the split house uh, what do they call it? The Brochella and Dire Fest, uh, where things really kind of got crazy. So let's start with Taylor's HOH week. So uh, who was evicted before that uh, Before that wall competition? Uh, right before Indy, it was... Daniel, right? Yes. Okay. That yeah. was our last episode. Uh, it was Daniel. Uh, that was kind of fun to watch. I... Uh, I did binge all of his uh, postseason interviews. He did a, a, a decent job of owning up to his controversies on the show. So, uh, but we're not here to talk about Daniel anymore. So, <laughs> bye, Daniel. Uh, bye, bye, me. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we start the week, and it's the wall competition. Um, did you think? Who did you think going into that competition would have been best? Uh, set up to win a wall or any sort of endurance type competition. Uh, did you have a favorite once you saw that it was the that kind of competition? I did, and I had two favorites: um, Monty and Joseph. And you know, you're usually the guy that's all for the bros and the jock types and the physical specimens in the big brother house. But I thought this was going to be the perfect opportunity for either of those guys. Obviously Joseph did pretty well. Um, but you know, ultimately did not win that, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was kind of tough. You know, my girl Jasmine, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, Obviously, we have some things that we could talk about with her that would obviously make you happy at this point. But no, I I always love the wall comp because there's no telling what slop and debris and crazy shit will hit them in the face. So I I thought it was pretty good this year. We had that slime was not just like a little drizzle of slime. Like they got 
sprayed Pelted, cannons yeah. Yeah. Uh, in their mouths. They were drizzled with Bigfoot hair, which, like, I don't know what it was. It was just probably, like, string or whatever, but it looked disgusting with the amount that was on them. Um, they were hit with newspapers, like, rolled up, like, batons. It was... I, I thought it was it was a well-run competition, um, and as I mentioned already, Taylor does win. Uh, she outlasts uh, the final three were Kyle, Joseph, and Taylor, and Kyle admitted he he tried his best, and uh, she won it fair and square. And uh, there's a little drama when she fell off the wall, and she celebrated. Alyssa gave her a little side eye, didn't like that Kyle was going to celebrate with her dropped a little that's enough which became relevant later in the week when she became a target of taylor's um but i don't really want to just because there's so much to get into i don't want to go play by play of the whole week Uh, i'm gonna talk a little bit bigger picture here so let's just start with this um i want to get your impression of taylor's hoh week uh to me i'm a big taylor fan despite living with Gruskin, who is not a huge Taylor fan. Uh, I do. Uh, I, I am a huge uh, advocate for Taylor. I hope she wins the game, but I do not think that she had a very good HOH week. Uh, she promised safety to almost every non-Alliance member before she even sat down with her Alliance. Um, throughout the week, she targeted three separate people. It started with Terrence. It moved to Indy. Then she pushed as hard as possible for Alyssa with that backfiring. Um, she pitched putting her allies on the block, um, which I believe was probably a mindset that came from the Festy Bestie where every week they were putting up their allies to try and backdoor someone. But now that the game had switched, it was kind of suspect that her first inclination was let's put up uh, Monty and Turner and backdoor one of her targets. Uh, so that kind of made some people weary or whatever the leery of her intentions. Uh, she went to war with Kyle over Alyssa, uh, despite Kyle being the one in charge of whether the veto was used or not. Uh, but she did still get one of her targets out. And so let's just start here. What is your assessment of Taylor's HOH reign? Did she help or hurt her game going forward? Uh, uh. Uh, good question, but I am going to back up and throw it back to you really quick before I answer. When did you decide that Taylor's your favorite to win the game? Because um, I'm not, all, I'm not with you. I'm, we're not on the same page on this. I'm gonna shocking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've told you this before. Every season, I root for the biggest underdog. You know, I'm a huge Nicole Anthony fan from what was that? Twenty one. Uh, in, in Cliff Hogg, exactly. Um, I, I'm trying to think of other examples. Uh, I don't know. Just That's my go-to examples, just Nicole Anthony. And so with the way that Taylor was treated the first two weeks and somehow persevered and became an actual player in the game, uh, pulled on my heartstrings, and I'm, I, that's why I root for her. It's not because I think she's a great player. And if you couldn't tell from my introduction of that question, I don't think she had the best week. So, but I'm gonna let you answer <laughs> no, that first. <laughs> no, 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 that's totally fair. You know, and I, I feel as if we maybe touched on this before, and it's, you know, obviously we can dig for days on Taylor's story throughout the house and her journey and how things have gone for her, but. You know, I am, I have a respect for her, but I'm still not the biggest Taylor fan. 
And, you know, I have a few friends who are also huge Big Brother fans and also people of color who don't necessarily get on board with how she's kind of played, how she's been treated, where I obviously think that some things have not been great, but you know, I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and say, oh my gosh, she was bullied. And so now we need to feel sorry for her, but that's another story for another day. Um, and obviously I may touch on it, you know, as we speak about these things, and, but and I will hands, jump in. Well, yeah. let me jump in real quick. I do think yeah. there's a difference if you watch live feeds versus the shows. Uh, and I think I said this on our last episode on the shows, you do see the bullying, but you only see it for the, you know, three hours a week. Right. Whereas if you're watching live feeds and listening to the live feed updates every day, it's like you hear it again, you see it again, yeah. and it's happening for you know 28 straight days or something like that. And it's like when you get when it happens that much in front of you, like it, it's a different than I for think sure. when, you, when you're exposed to it for a less amount of time. So it becomes more personalized. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, and you know, one of my I have talked about it too. It's like you know having been that person of color that grew up in an all white community and stuff like that, I totally get those things, which is why truthfully for me, like, eh, you can still get through those things and not make yourself a victim. Sure. So, um, that's why I don't necessarily just jump to her, but anyway, you know, you know, I'm here for the controversy. So. <laughs> of course. Um, anyway, uh, next week's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, her HOH was garbage uh, at the end messy. of the day. It was, you know, it, I don't know. And I wanted her to have a good HOH. But watching her try and describe her plans and try to tell her plans to everyone in the leftovers and try to talk through these situations, it's like, this shit doesn't make sense. And I know what she wanted to do, but at the end of the day for me, and even looking beyond everything that she's gone through and thinking about the people that say, oh my gosh, she's persevered, so she's now such a strong player and she's done A, B, and C, and she's still here. At the end of the day, she's really not that strong of a player. And I think that that's where I, as a big brother fan who really wants to see amazing gameplay I get frustrated listening to her DR moments talking about oh my gosh I'm going to do this and I'm so amazing <laughs> and I'm just going to make such a big move you're really not doing anything at all because your HOH literally ended up being run by other people because the plans that you came up with literally made zero sense yep and i think that's where those things really came to light for her and just watching as a super fan makes you realize if she were to win the game she for me is going to be one of those people that literally wins it based off of luck and people feeling sorry for her who finally did step up you know, to kind of speak out on her behalf. Yeah. Now I, um, I think the biggest problem she had was I expect someone when they become HOH to 
like have a plan or like take time to create a plan, whether it's alone or gather your allies. You know, if she should have grabbed Michael and Brittany and, and said, you're my two closest, like, let's come up with a plan together. But instead, she kind of had her initial idea. I want to get Terrence out and then ran to everyone in the house promising safety, throwing out ideas for who to throw on the block that with, and it's like every time you, even if you're just throwing out ideas and just spitballing, when you say, maybe I'll put Monty on the block, like just saying that is a bad game move, whether you do it or not saying that to Monty takes away some trust that Monty will have in Taylor. And so it's just like sloppy. It's, it's just sloppy game work. Um, or, and, um, and I thought she was too easily influenced by other players, specifically Joseph. Um, but even just like, I mean, they showed on the show, Turner kind of dissected her initial plans and completely changed around what she was going to do, which I thought was the right move. He, she ended up doing the right thing in the end because Turner guided her. But it was like, how easy was it for Turner to completely change her initial plans. And then when we get to the veto, uh, where um, Kyle wins the veto, at first, I, I don't remember how it was portrayed on the show. I think that they they made it seem like she was instantly upset about Alyssa taking her London trip and sticking her with the punishment. But from the live feeds, she did not give a shit about the, the prize being stolen from her. She was kind of excited to be chained to Joseph for a few days. Uh, so right. uh, for the, for the first, you know, 12 hours after the veto competition, like she didn't care at all, but then she was easily persuaded by Joseph who wanted to get Alyssa out. Cause he didn't trust what Kyle's plans were with Alyssa. It was just another example of how she was easily persuaded by another player to change the entire trajectory of her HOH. And it's that, it's that shifting target, uh, shifting priorities that lost her a lot of trust within the leftovers and probably pushed her to the bottom of the pack. You know, first first one out if leftovers had made it all the way. And so, yeah, I, I, I despite my rooting for Taylor, I just I don't think that was a uh, good HOH, and I it has it's changed my wanting her no matter what to win the game to being like. I'd be happy if she won the game, but I don't think that she would win it on her own. It, like you said, it would be more of a she got there based off other people's bad gameplay. So, um, but uh, we we touched on it there. A major event of the week became what was this cold war between Taylor and Kyle. Um, to kind of break it down uh, in the veto competition, it was a one of those ones where there's prizes and punishments. And the way it worked out, um, I have it. Let me just go through the notes I have here so that we're accurate. Uh, Terrence was the first one out, and he was given the veto. Andy was second out. She stole the veto and gave Terrence the Ink 182 um, punishment, which we'll get to the punishments in a minute. Um, Taylor out third, wins a trip to London, keeps it. Alyssa out fourth, steals a trip from Taylor. Uh, and, and instead, Taylor gets the skid and fancy punishment. Um, 
during that, it's, as they showed on the show, Taylor hints to Alyssa, like, hey, I still can make renoms, but Alyssa does it anyway. Jasmine's out second to last, steals a trip from London from uh, Alyssa, but Alyssa gets 5K. And then Kyle steals the veto and gives Indy the punkatard um, punishment. And so uh, there, like, like I was just explaining, Taylor at first was not like, I want to put Alyssa in the block, but Joseph gets in her ear, kind of makes her feel some type of way about uh, being the HOH and having someone be as ballsy as Alyssa to steal a prize and give a punishment to the HOH before renoms. And so she gets all worked up about it and now is like dead set on getting Alyssa out. Um, And as we've seen over the last probably two or three weeks, Kyle's priorities have shifted from the Alliance to protecting Alyssa. And when, uh, when Taylor approaches him about, you know, all right, it's time to backdoor Alyssa, he's not having it. And so, you know, there was a good 24 hours there where it was just the two of them strong headed, like would not change their mind. We had multiple meetings between the leftovers in the HOH room around the pool table, uh, and just, you know, Joseph and Taylor on one side and Kyle and Turner on the other and Michael and Brittany in the middle and, and Monty in the middle. And in the end, Kyle ends up winning the argument because he's the one who has the veto and he makes the final decision. And so I guess I set all that up so that I can ask you, who were you backing in that argument? Did you carry either way? Uh, and I, I mean, I guess we already discussed it was a bad move on Taylor's part in the end. So I guess I, I just want your opinion. What'd you think of the cold war? Whose side were you on? Yeah. Well, and you know, had you not gotten to this question for me, I was actually going to interrupt and ask you, you know, because I think that obviously the next couple of weeks, if you know, those of you listening have, already watched and are kind of ahead of where we're talking at this point. Why? And I'm going to ask you this before I move on, but coming from someone who watches the live feeds like you do, why haven't the leftovers fucking realized that Kyle has chosen pussy over the Alliance? (laughs) And it's 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 it drives me crazy, right? Every single time, because even watching them in the DR and watching all these side conversations, they're like, "Oh my gosh, Kyle is going to do this," and because he's in the leftovers, and so we have him as a number, he's already proven that he's choosing Alyssa, right? Yeah. So, and I guess this is part of my answer to your question. He's chosen his side, and so for me, who doesn't watch the live feeds every day it doesn't have more of the background information and just seeing what's on the surface right seeing what's presented to me when the show is on in these hours you know in the 60 which is now 45 minutes with commercials (laughs) you know what side he's on So why are you still having a conversation and feeling some kind of way saying, oh, we have the numbers and the leftovers and we're going to do this, which is going to get Alyssa out? No, that's not going to work. Like he has fucked her. 
Like, they have become one on the show at this point. He's not picking you over her. So I've gotten really frustrated at the rest of the leftovers in thinking that Kyle is still a part of their group when he has proven multiple times at this point, even in a short time frame, right? That his priority is his now girlfriend in the house, because I guess they didn't make that official, whatever the fuck that means. And okay. I'm going to take another second here. Everyone knows that I fucking hate Kyle and Alyssa together. I think I've said vomit. (laughs) No, this is gross. So this is my bias a little bit, but no, but again, from a gameplay perspective, and this will come up, you know, as we get into the next week as well. I mean, outside of, of Michael and Brittany, they're the only people literally playing as a unit. And Michael and Brittany have not fucked in the house. They're not going to. Like, so what about anyone else makes you think that they're going to be loyal to anything other than each other? And so for me, the Cold War, as you put it, truthfully shouldn't even shouldn't have even been a thing because the other members of the leftovers and you got to think there are some pretty game savvy people involved who should see Kyle is a detriment to us right now because he is not making decisions based off of our alliance he is literally making his decisions because he's been horny the entire time he's been in he said it in the diary room i'm so bored i'm so horny (laughs) yeah like so i i don't know it's been it drives me crazy you know again watching turner and monty and taylor and all these people oh my gosh we have the numbers because we're going to be able to put Alyssa on the block no you're not he won the veto and he's not going to put her on the block what in your mind makes you think that that's going to happen And so, again, this is kind of my answer, but this is asking you as a feeder, is there something going on that I just am completely oblivious to that makes them think that he's loyal to that? Yeah, I don't have a great answer for that um, because I was was kind of going through it as you were talking there. I think – I think Michael's completely aware of it, but Mm. my, but Michael sees the strategic value and having someone whose foot is one half out the door of the Alliance. And honestly, Michael acts on it in the next HOH when the house is split the uh, we'll go through it in a minute here, but his decisions about who he picks for his team uh, in the split house are done with the intention of, hoping that Kyle will betray the Alliance because it will help Michael's game. And so he sees that as an asset. I think there are people in the Alliance who are lying to themselves a little bit. Uh, The other members of the pound, Joseph, Monty, and Turner. I think that they are suspicious of Kyle's lack of loyalty, um, which is why Joseph is pushing so hard because he's like, if it's not now, then it's time for me to move on from Kyle. Like this is like his last chance. And then I think there's Taylor and Brittany who are just 
their team leftovers and that's the game they're playing and they're just blinders on and you're like nope everyone's about the team when we get to eight or seven that's when we'll start playing individual games everyone's on board and it's just like i and i actually have a question here that kind of pertains to this Mm -hmm. it's i think part of it is something we'll never be able to experience unless you're in that house is that there's some warped reality there kind of like as we saw when kyle does not use the veto and keeps it the same Taylor follows him into the storage room and fake yells at him, even though she was actually. You should have fucking used the veto. And it was the fakest, like I like <laughs> as a viewer on our end, the fakest. Like I could, how do you not see right through it? Right. But no one really called her out for it, or even like was suspicious of it, and so that kind of goes to like. Maybe it's just when you're in that house for so long, you start you're suspicious of everything, and therefore you're suspicious of nothing at the same time. Good point. And so therefore you're like, I don't know. Maybe Kyle will stay loyal. Maybe Taylor is mad at him, and that yell was fa- real. It sounded fake, but it was real, or, or right. it sounded real and it was fake. And you just get so turned around that you're just like, I don't know. I'm just gonna go with my gut, and sometimes your gut's wrong. That's my best yeah. guess at the whole thing. So, but. It, it is what it is. Uh, Kyle does not use the veto. Uh, basically locking in place that Indy will go home. Uh, before we get to the eviction itself, I do want to throw, uh, or at least get your opinion on the punishments. There were three of them. Terrence had Ink 182. He had to put 182 uh, temporary tattoos on his body. Uh, there was Skid and Fancy which was Taylor and Joseph, I I guess dressing up like Sid and Nancy, who I am not really aware of who they are. Uh, maybe you are, but they were dressed in like I punk, had to Google. Yeah, punk outfits. They're chained to each other for 48 hours. Uh, the best part of that punishment was that Joseph had to use an English accent and Taylor had to use a New York accent and no, neither no, player no. knew. What, I'm going to correct you. That was not the best part of that punishment. That was the worst. <laughs> I know. Part of that punishment. It was it was the best to me because of how <laughs> bad it was. Neither player knew how to do either accent. <laughs> and it was so miserable watching them try. Yeah. And like and they could not break character. Like when they were alone in the HOH room, like they'd still have to whisper to each other in those accents. It was funny but miserable to watch. Awkward. Like Joseph who is like non-stop talking he actually had to sit and think before he spoke which was uh interesting to watch uh and then we also had punk guitard which was andy's punishment which was the <laughs> typical leotard dressed but for on theme it was like a punk leotard and every time big brother called her out she had to go to the living room grab another player and rock out on drums and guitar and come up with a song what was your favorite punishment? Uh, did you like all these punishments? Was there one that you really hated? Uh, just break it down for me. Oh, man. Um, I guess since I'm the super opinionated one on the show, I'm going to take a drink first. <laughs> and I'm going to say that least liked for me was probably the Ink 182 just because it ended up on Terrence. Yeah, it wasn't a great look. <laughs> anybody else, except for maybe Brittany, but <laughs> anybody else 
I saw way too much of Terrence's butt crack as he was trying to find new yeah, places to put him. That just, that just wasn't enjoyable. I mean, that that punishment is set for a Taylor or a, a Kyle or a Joseph. Uh, we don't we don't need to expose all that. Um, I actually enjoyed, even though I wasn't a big indie fan, I enjoyed the Punkatard just because even though this wasn't really considered music, but being, you know, a musically inclined guy as I am, it was just kind of cool to have them on the guitar and on the drums. Lose it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, I don't know. It was just kind of fun. I think it's probably the most fun punk guitard, leotard um, punishment that I've seen in the past several she got in the she got into the pool with that thing yeah yeah you know i feel as if it was maybe one of the more active ones even though they're all usually pretty active but i think just having her having to pull other people into the house and sing and just kind of have a good time with it um again wasn't a big fan about taylor and Joseph being attached together because the accents were just completely wretched, yeah. for lack of a better word to use. But it got a little awkward know. too. I, obviously, Taylor has a huge crush on Joseph, and he kind of let her know halfway through it, like, "Hey, like it's not going to happen. It's at least not in this house." And uh, she kind of got down about it, but was still chained to him for another like twelve hours. So that was oh, awkward. so he just axed it. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how it went down. If it was like, hey, like I'm not into it, or if it was more like, hey, not while I'm in this house. So huh. I, I, it's been too long now. But he did like let her down, and she kind of admitted like, oh, I was kind of hoping there'd be more, and so it was kind of awkward. Huh. But let me... Good um, for him to fucking stand his ground and actually try to play the game. Yeah, Unlike man. Kyle <laughs> and Alyssa. How about... Uh, Here's one from left field. Do you have a favorite punishment from this type of competition? You know, since we're both super fans, can you think back to anyone in particular? I'll go first if you want time to think. No, go ahead. My uh, favorite one, I I don't remember the exact layout of the punishment, but it was when Bailey had to ride the tricycle around the backyard like <laughs> like a thousand laps or whatever and overnight. <laughs> um, I remember that's actually. That's I remember staying up really. I remember yeah. staying up all night on the live feeds, just watching her go round and round. And when people would come in, take turns, like cheering her up, bringing her like water and like snacks, and I loved that one. No, I, and I'm sure I could probably think of something else that maybe trumps it, but that was the first thing that popped into my mind because same page <laughs> as you said, the visual right yeah. of her just out there. Circle. Yeah. Circle. <laughs> Just seemed miserable. Circle. It was, it was great. It, so It'd be that or it'd be uh, on Dan's season with Dan's funeral. That competition, uh, his was great being locked in that room for 24 hours. But who was the tall, fro-haired guy? Do you remember his name? Tall, fro-haired guy. The guy who hated Dan and was the reason Dan was about to go home and then they made an alliance. Whatever it was, his punishment was like a bucket of chum 
which is like, <laughs> like dead fish parts. And every time Big Brother called him, he'd have to walk outside and dump it on his head. It just like made him gag and want to throw up. And he had to do it like 12 or like 15 times over a 48-hour period. I thought that was a good one. So I would vomit. So don't want to think about that. Yeah, no, that's a Big Brother classic, though, with the punishments and rewards. So I'm glad we got that in here. Um, but let's get to the eviction. Indy is evicted 7-1. to one. Um, I thought two things about this eviction. One, Indy got, like, unlimited airtime to, like, do her goodbyes and give a speech. And <laughs> I I was just – I had I, I'd had enough of it by the end. Um, but my other thing was – I thought Michael's goodbye message to her was the perfect goodbye message if you're doing jury management. Uh, he, one, was the only vote for her, so somehow he convinced his alliance to allow him to be the sympathy vote, which, like, why him? It's not like he was close to Andy. Like, why wouldn't they right. allow Joseph to do it? Um, but somehow he, Michael convinced everyone to let him be the sympathy vote. And then in his goodbye message, he exposes the big alliance. So she's not blindsided by it. Uh, kind of lets her in on the information. And then not only that, but he sets it up as like, Hey, I was there trying to keep you and protect you from this alliance. I'm part of, I'm sorry. I failed basically being like, I was the only one in your corner. Like mm, chef's kiss. That's the perfect goodbye <laughs> message. Uh, any uh, any thoughts you had on the eviction you want to throw out before we move on to the uh, the new twist? Glad Indy's gone. I mean, I, you know, whether or not she was on the right show or wherever the hell she thought that she was, she just wasn't fit to play the game. And, you know, I know early in our podcast, someone had mentioned – Maybe she'll be a strong player because her accent is so thick and people won't understand her. So she may Sounds be like able a to kind of weasel around. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that she was gone. You know, you know, again, having Michael get give the sympathy vote, I think kudos to him. Because obviously, you know, I say time and time again, I'm not a big fan of unanimous voting. Now, if there's a sympathy vote, I still feel like that's unanimous at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> um, so wasn't really, really excited about the 7-1 vote. But I think with everything that went on and with how Taylor handled her HOH, I feel as if that was the only option that it could have ended up being at that point. Unfortunately, I think that truthfully that whole week outside of Taylor, just kind of fucking up everything at this point, my girl Jasmine is still in. And so I was just excited about her birthday and the multiple celebrations that she was able to have. She managed to use her birthday to try and escape three <laughs> separate weeks of being on the block. That was great. <laughs> but all right, we'll leave the Taylor HOH week there. Uh, now for the fun part. Uh, I'm usually not a fan of twists. I come from the Terran school of Big Brother, which is the Rob has a podcast uh, live feeder. Uh, to me, 
twists usually ruin the game. They usually scare people into not making a big move. Um, but I was excited for this twist. This was new. This was this was different. And uh, you know, just to lay it out in case anyone is listening to this without having watched the episodes, they split the house in half, and they, those two halves didn't have contact for a week. And on top of that, one house lived in luxury while the other house lived in uh, dire. a dire situation. <laughs> <laughs> so before we even break down any details, uh, what did you think of this twist? Were you excited for it? Um, did you have thoughts going in who it would, it would advantage? So it's interesting to know from you that you actually usually – don't like twists. I don't know if I knew that about you or not. Because I'm I'm totally spoiled by the live feed podcast. Because yeah, when I was yeah. a show only, that was like the most thing the thing you look forward to. Like, what's the twist this year? Uh, but yeah. now that I'm a live feed gamer, I just want to see how the dynamics of the people work out. And when a twist is thrown in, usually you see the group in power advantage because they, you know, have the best odds of receiving the special powers yeah. or whatever. So that's why. Yeah. I, but I think I think that's why I like it because I do agree that generally speaking, a group in power can typically benefit from a twist, mm-hmm. but the twists can be so all over the place, right? That you never know what that means for the house overall, mm-hmm. and so in announcing this particular one and hearing that oh, wow, the house is literally going to be split and there's going to be two games played simultaneously with two HOHs and two vetoes and four nominees. I got really fucking excited because I am here for a twist from a viewer perspective. I'm here for a twist, but if I were in the house, which is why I would never do well in the Big Brother house, I would probably freak out and cry and go just sit in the bathroom and not talk to anyone for a full week. <laughs> um, so preview going into the, the twist, very excited. And then obviously as we get into it and find out, I was not excited about the divide and how things <laughs> played out. So yeah. Yeah. What about you though? How, how was your, yeah, well just prediction? to, well, just to elaborate on like why I don't like twists. For example, the Festy Bestie twist. Now this season, it worked out because everyone was rooting for the leftovers. But say the leftovers was a big alliance that everyone hated. You know, maybe it was the undeniable from season twenty-one. You know, with Mickey and Holly and all and that whole group, and everyone was. Uh, most people I knew were rooting against them. The Festy Bestie twist allowed everyone from the power alliance to basically team up with someone outside the alliance and no matter who was on the block unless it was michael and Brittany, there was always someone to shoot at without taking out a member of the alliance so it just set them up for like three weeks of safety so if luckily i was rooting for the leftovers this year and so i was fine with it but in another situation i may not have been this though this didn't really advantage anyone um and so, and it was just, I have never seen it tried before. Now I, maybe Canada did it. You and I are just one season into Canada. So I can't say what's been done there before. Uh, but to me, this was something like, it was almost like survivor 
Like you're putting two groups in separate locations and what dynamics will form there. And then when they come back together, are there going to be new alliances and new bonds that were created? And so uh, I thought it was a cool idea. I don't love the execution of how it went down. Um, oh gosh. I don't, mostly I don't just about, talk about this week. Mostly just about how teams were picked, you know, in my ideal scenario, one, no one should have been allowed to talk to each other. As soon as the HOH was played and the two, uh, we'll go ahead and say it here, they play the HOH. It's one of those where you eliminate someone, then you pick the next two. Um, and I just want to elaborate on one quick point. In the competition, when it came down to the final four, it was Terrence, I think Jasmine, Michael, and Turner left. Michael had just beaten somebody and so he was choosing who goes up next if he had chosen turner and a non-alliance leftover member there was a like 50 50 chance that two leftover members could have been in power and they and then it'd be a normal week run the show leftovers get to final eight um but another feather in michael's strategic cap here he he talked about doing this on purpose. He purposefully chose the two non-alliance members, which were Jasmine and Terrence, um, which ensured that one Wait, of them. He didn't, Michael didn't choose Terrence. He he chose for the next two to go up to be. Oh, gotcha. gotcha Terrence gotcha. and Jas. I, yes. I think it was Jasmine. Yes. So instead of choosing Turner and Jasmine or Turner and Terrence, he chooses the two non-alliance members. Yes. W- yes what yes, that yes. means is that person's guaranteed to be in the final two. They will be an HOH. It just will be the inside or outside HOH. Um, he did that strategically, hoping that it would lead to some sort of leftover shot being taken that wasn't due to him. Uh, so very smart by Michael, who, you know, in the 10 minutes that they had of commercial breaks and setting up for this competition was able to formulate a plan like that, especially in the moment. You don't know where you're going to fall. And when he's final four to do that kind of quick thinking, uh, very smart. Um, but back to the point I was making about this HOH, I think as soon as Michael and Terrence are named the two HOHs, it should have been like dead silent, put people in corners. No one can talk. Um, I guess I would have been fine with, at that point, the HOH is doing the pick which is what they did. You know, it was back, a schoolyard pick Michael goes first, Terrence goes next, back and forth, back and forth. Um, but, like we saw, once, they, once the show ended, they went to commercial break, everyone was chatting in the backyard, and then we've I found out from the live feeds, you know, they had like 15 minutes to strategize. Michael was talking to Terrence, telling him how he was going to pick, you know, how he could choose a target. Um I it either should have been silence or they should have just pulled it out of a hat, you know, pull it out of the yeah. chip bag. Completely random. No strategy. I wanted it to be random. And then you just go with whatever falls. Like you know what? Maybe you get a terrible draw and it's ends up being like it was, mostly leftovers with one target and on the other. But at least it would have like there was a chance for the randomness to have some crazy effect that would have made it fascinating. Yeah. Instead, it, it basically turned into Michael's perfect uh, scenario. You know, he picked his 
target first Jasmine. He saved his two big best allies, uh, Brittany and Taylor next, and then brought in a leftover Monty who could have been a backup target if Jasmine were to win. That's his perfect scenario. And then Terrence ends up with three leftovers plus Alyssa. Um, yeah, let's just pause there. And, uh, I guess I heard you agree with me, but is that what you were looking for as well? Some randomization? Yeah, I mean, the twist really excited me again because never have we been in a Big Brother U.S. scenario where the house is playing separately and having, again, two HOHs that don't know what each other are doing. Having four knobs, having two complete separate veto competitions, and I think... Even though I guess I kind of understand the whole dynamic behind allowing them to pick in that moment, I think had it been a big brother decision, again, whether it be random draw from a hat or big brother has actually already decided what teams are going to end up with who, because at the end of the day in picking and whatever they're 15 minute strategy strategy meeting ended up being, you know, as we look at how this week played out, the showmats ended up together. Whoever else is fucking in that group with them is fucked. Because guess what? Kyle and Alyssa fuck <laughs> they're not going to pick anybody else because they're two of the dumbest players who have ever entered the fucking big brother house and I may be jumping ahead but I feel so strongly about these two and uh, you'll I be get proven right <laughs> so pissed that it just drives me crazy that other people who are actually smart game players and again you know You've said it, and I agree. Michael is picking up on some of these things, but let's separate the two people who have actually had. To, I mean, when was the last time we had anybody have sex in the Big Brother house? Legitimately, twenty-one. Like, yeah, Mickey, Mickey, like, and, Mickey and Holly and Mickey and Cat in the same season. <laughs> yeah, but that like, but they weren't. They weren't this gross about it. You know what I mean? That was just, yeah. we're in the midst of lust and <laughs> we're horny and we're going to do our thing and move on or whatever. But, you know, that was three seasons ago, right? Yep. These two have literally defined themselves as boyfriend and girlfriend in the house. And you now have a scenario where you just put them on the same side of the house when everyone else is divided and doesn't know what's going on, there's no hope for anyone else. Like, well, so Michael had the last pick and it was between Kyle and Monty. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about him choosing to put Kyle in that group? Was it smart? No, it pissed me off. <laughs> like, again, I, I don't get it. Everybody, oh my gosh, we have the leftovers and we're no, no. a team. Michael, want, his intention was for Kyle to betray the leftovers. That was, he was praying that that happened. Yeah. Like, throughout, I mean, he talked about it throughout the week. Taylor kept being like, if Joseph doesn't come back in, I'm going to be so pissed. Michael, in private to Brittany, was like, 
I really hope Joseph doesn't I come bet back. He's going to do it because yeah. as soon as that happens, now the shots like it's out there. Leftovers are done. Mm-hmm. Now everyone has the freedom to maneuver, and the target should have been on Kyle for exposing it, and Michael would be sitting in the middle again between Taylor, Monty, Brittany, and Alyssa, Joe, uh, Turner, and uh, Kyle. So he, I. Again, I respect Michael for thinking these things through enough to make a move like that, um, despite the fact that the rest of us watching the show want to throw up every time we see Kyle and Alyssa together. So, Want to throw up? No, I think I actually did throw up once when they were <laughs> on screen together. Um, but uh, speaking of Kyle, <laughs> almost immediately, like within 12 hours of moving outdoors, um, that he exposes everything first to Alyssa just tells her about the, the Alliance about the Amira votes and how that the Alliance has run every vote since how she has been a target for multiple weeks. Um, and then, uh, you know, with permission from Alyssa decides it's a good idea to tell Terrence about everything. And now cats out of the bag. Like Terrence knows everything leftovers is exposed. Joseph and Turner are in the dark. They don't know what's going on. So they are still lying and digging themselves deeper into holes. Um, were you, were you excited by that? Did do you like that? The leftovers, this is the point that it ended. Were you hoping for it to go further? I wasn't necessarily hoping for it to go further. But I didn't want it to end at the hands of Kyle. I was just about to say <laughs> that. I, 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 I just feel so strongly about it. And I said this earlier as we've been recording. I'm frustrated at how other people are just refusing to see that where his alliances are. And as a result of that, from a viewer who does see all of this... There's no way that you can be in this house and be so blinded to the fact that he has chosen his alliance. You know, obviously this may be jumping ahead a little bit, but now that we're talking about, you know, Brochella and Direfest and people using the Joseph Monty bromance as an argument versus Kyle and Alyssa, like Joseph and Monty did not, enter each other (laughs) I can't think of any other way to think about I mean they literally had sex yep and I know that sometimes for people whether you're hooking up with somebody at a bar and just trying to get your dick wet or do whatever like Kyle and Alyssa have literally chosen each other and Kyle being in the position that he's in, where being a part of a bigger alliance who does have the numbers, he has made it completely obvious that in spite of the other six people involved with him, in spite of these numbers that he has, he has chosen one person. And he is with her and he has made decisions strictly based off of his relationship and what he thinks about her. So as frustrated as I get by it, everybody else, you're a fucking dumbass for letting it happen and let it get this far. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about it. Maybe the reason why people can still 
lie to themselves into believing maybe that Kyle is uh, loyal to the Alliance might just be the fact that the Alliance was technically built on Kyle exposing Alyssa's game. You know, she came to him right. and told him about old school and he took that information and that's what the leftovers was really built on. And I think, you know, okay, great. In week two or two and a half, he betrayed Alyssa, but you have to be an idiot months later to see that they spend 24 seven together, that Kyle's no longer in meetings with the leftovers, right. that everyone knows that they've had sex and then to still believe that now he's also going to keep betraying her. Yeah. Like, he's going to like, obviously he's going to say words don't mean anything. He'll say as much as he needs to, but it's the actions that speak louder than words and all of his actions starting from the Daniel eviction week and onward have been very blatantly, mm-hmm. uh, obvious where his loyalties lie. And like, if you just look back at the history of big brother, how many showmances have betrayed each other? Like, I can't think of any, I, th- I think I've, I remember hearing about one maybe on a recent live feed update from like the, like the season 12 or something. And it was yeah. early, like, but like we're, we're now two months into this game. Like it's not week two. It's not like a fling. It is. They've said, I love you. They've said their girlfriend, boyfriend. Yeah. It's obvious. Yeah. So. And it, and this may be a good point to talk about this or it may not, but a friend and I had dinner last night and she's a big brother fan. And she and I were talking about, Show Mantis, and she thankfully also agrees that Kyle and Alyssa are the most most disgusting thing to step into the Big Brother house in a very long time. But, you know, one of the points that she and I made, and, you know, you can tell me if you agree with this or not. I'm actually not opposed to a Show Mantis. But for me, a Show Mantis big iconic showmances have had strong female players and you know as annoying as they might have been might have been brendan and rachel for example jeff and they might have been mickey and cheesy Holly. as hell yeah it might have been cheesy as hell but guess what rachel fucking played the game and she won and she did her thing jeff and jordan guess what Jordan fucking played the game and she held her own. Mickey uh, Holly. Holly got Mickey second Holly. place. Holly fucking played the game. So now we have this ridiculous showmance where the female player is garbage. She's a complete fucking dumbass. And I'm sorry, Alyssa. I don't care if you ever hear this. You're a dumbass if you think that Paris is a country in England. <laughs> and I'm jumping ahead a little. But I mean, You've done nothing to benefit this game as a whole. And everything you talk about is, oh my gosh, Kyle is just going to hurt my feelings if he doesn't come help me and save me as my knight in shining armor because he deserves to be with me and I deserve it. No, fuck that. You are really going to enjoy tomorrow's episode, I think. Oh my God. I mean, it's driving me up the fucking wall. And if you're going to have a showmance, that's fine. Get your dick wet, dude. Go live your best life. Whatever. You're in this house. 
she's cute. You're an attractive guy. Okay, I get it. You're attracted to each other. But you're literally in here to win a six-figure paycheck. You both made it to jury. Just, like, save it for jury. (laughs) Yes, like... Play the game. Oh, gosh. Sorry. I could go on about this for hours. I just – I can't stand them at all. I, I really can't. Nope. You're good. I totally agree with everything you said. Um, and what this leads to, uh, Terrence is now in the know. Uh, he is now <laughs> – Terrence. I know, Terrence, the, t- the two-time competition winner what? soon. What a fucking joke. Running the game outside. Um <laughs> So Terrence takes the information. Uh, Joseph and Turner don't know that it's they've been exposed, and so they just dig themselves holes. And Terrence puts up Joseph and Turner on the block. They are completely blindsided. Inside, uh, everything goes basically according to plan. Jasmine's on the block, and Monty is sitting next to her. Uh, the only way that Jasmine doesn't go home is if she wins the HOA or the veto. Um. When do I get into the real quick? Let's just go over Vita winners because it doesn't matter that much. Um, Brittany won the stay or what is it? Stay or something competition. It's one of those classic ones where you count how many objects are in a stay or fold. Stay or fold. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually really love that competition. They haven't had it in a while, so I'm glad to see it brought back. Um, But I mean, Jasmine was just miserable. She just folded every time and then when it got down to Michael and Brittany to one away from winning she just it was it was pathetic so Jasmine is now basically a lock to go home uh, on the outside they play a different veto competition they're stacking food plates like those styrofoam food containers um, I have heard on the live feeds that it wasn't exactly that Terrence was the best at this competition uh, people are saying that his spot in the backyard didn't have any wind. And so that's kind of why he won. It wasn't like now he's some huge competi- competition threat. So I mean, it, I don't think anybody on this planet thinks that Terrence is a huge competition <laughs> beast. Because, you know, and I feel as if this happens every year anyway. You get someone who has done absolutely nothing to the game, and then they get to some competition where luck ends up on their side, and this was Terrence's week for that. I mean, all of my notes looking back through the past several weeks, I have something at some point about how terrible of a game player Terrence is and how he has no idea what's going on. And even in his HOH week, he has no idea what's going on. And all of his DRs about, oh, he's so confident. I'm going to put these people against each other and I'm going to gather my information because DJ Terrence is about to take control. (laughs) Man, you don't know. Do you even know where you are right now? He's been played for two straight months, but he finally got the information. And so he's a little cocky, but... Uh, Terrence decide. Oh, Terrence. So this actually is a good transition. So, uh, Terrence wins the veto. Um, 
doesn't on the show you don't really see anything like he gives one dr where he's like i don't know i could do something crazy and then he gets to the veto ceremony and he puts kyle on the block and takes turner off and like let me ask your perspective did you follow that storyline and how that happened like were you surprised did it make sense I was not surprised, but it made sense based off of the information that I knew. Um, And you, again, may have seen something that I hadn't. But I think that with Terrence kind of trying to be on this big random power trip of, ooh, I'm going to put these guys against each other and let them have it out on the block because I'm the one controlling that didn't surprise me because I kind of saw that in him. Um, but no, what do you think? Yeah, so this is the the biggest disparity between the live feeders and the people who watch the show so far this season. Um, I'm actually surprised. I I mean, if you're on BB Twitter at all, uh, you probably saw this. Um, I know Dalton was kind of aware of it. Um, so... There was a wall yeller, and so if you're not familiar with a wall yeller, the BB house is literally just a house. It's in a neighborhood near one of the L.A. airports. That's why you always hear planes flying over in the backyard. Um, But it's not like in a studio with security, like in walls that keep people out. Um, It's just in a neighborhood, Um, and so people in years past have tried to – uh, contact the house guests in different ways. The most common way being, you know, a wall yeller. You take a megaphone, you stand outside the house, you quickly say a few things, then you run before security gets to you. Um, other ways. Would you be a wall yeller, Daniel? No, I don't agree with the I, I, with interfering with the game itself um, and trying to. It, it never works any anyway. Like people always, it ends up backfiring every single time. This was the closest it's ever gotten to being successful. Um, other ways people have tried to contact house guests, you know, people will rent a airplane with a banner behind and try and put something on it or, I don't know, drop a parachute with something into the house. Um, but so far it's never worked. Um, but it was very close to having an effect on the game this season. So, uh, after Kyle exposes the leftovers uh, and posts the initial nominations, but before the veto, um, somebody went outside the Big Brother house with a megaphone and three times said the phrase, Kyle is a liar, save Joseph. Kyle is a liar, save Joseph. Kyle is a liar, save Joseph. And then they got away. They actually, there's a, whoever it was tweeted a picture of themselves in the car after driving away. Like, it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, I, 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 for one, I appreciate this happened. I appreciate that this happened for selfish reasons because uh, what ha- what Big Brother did in response was shut down the feeds to the outdoors for almost seventy two hours, and so nothing from the live feeds showed anything in the backyards for uh, closer to forty eight hours, not seventy two. You didn't see Direfest at all. Um, at at all, they would oh, show wow. the they would show the inside, uh, but they wouldn't show anything outside, which made the live feed update 
update podcast that I use to, you know, catch up on the things that happen every day, much shorter to listen to. And so when I went on my binge yesterday, rather than 10, one and a half hour episodes, half of them were like 30 minutes. So thank you for that. Um, um, but on top of that, on top of uh, putting the feeds down outdoors, uh, a couple other things Big Brother did. One, initially when it happened, now this is mo- mostly speculation uh, because we, did, we didn't have cameras out there. But from indoors, from what the players indoors were talking about, um, they blared music in the backyard for like 12 straight hours, like to a, a level where you couldn't talk to each other. Um, at first, the indoor house guests were kind of jealous. They're like, what? We thought we were the, like, they were the have-nots and we were like the luxury people. Why do they get to listen to music f- outside the whole time? And then when it went on for hours and hours and how loud it was, it, eventually the house guests inside were like, geez, like this must be some sort of punishment. Oh, wow. And, and what, what's been theorized is that once the wall yeller happened, they kind of separated everyone into corners and didn't let people talk to each other for the first like 12 hours. So you just had to sit there, listen to the music and do nothing while you're in the backyard. And then, uh, the only reason the feeds came back was because in that 48 hour span, big brother erected some sort of roof canopy that they put over the backyard, uh, which, like not only like yes it helped keep the sound out so we didn't get any more wall yellers but like it's LA in the summer and now you got a roof over the backyard so not only right. was it hot in the sun but now that heat is trapped in there it made it even yeah. more miserable for that for those house guests um yeah just fascinating to see the effect it had on the game uh and and that is the real reason why Terrence put up Kyle because he did listen to the wall yeller at first and was like, oh my God, I'm being lied to. And so he put Kyle up on the block. Then Kyle was able to talk him down and convince him again that no, what I'm saying is real, ignore the wall yeller. And then plan was back on. But that obviously was never shown on the show. The show would never show that because they don't want people to be encouraged to go do that kind of wall yelling. Right. So yeah, that's the uh, down low on what happened with all that. I have a question for you though. Go ahead. I think you were about to throw something my way, but sure. You know, in in the whole Direfest situation, do you agree with how Kyle went about it in in throwing the leftovers under the bus and and everyone's game in that kind of last ditch effort? Was that a good? smart game move for him or was it low? So I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm not a fan of Kyle. Um, I don't like he three weeks ago was the best player set up in the game. He was in the middle of everybody. He, mm-hmm. everybody liked him. All he had to do was stay where he was at. He would have been fine. But he decided to choose the hardest path possible. He decided to take his showmance and put her outside of his alliance, making things difficult. Then he decided to run with this uh, cookout 2.0 theory and make the game even harder for himself. And eventually, by the time we get to Direfest, he has gone from the best spot in the game to one of the worst. Like, 
if he did not make this move, he probably was in trouble. Like he's the showman's like he would probably be the target outside uh, in his mind, at least that we saw that Terrence was actually going for Joseph, but uh, Kyle was at risk. And so despite not liking Kyle and not liking the path he took to get to Dyerfest, uh, it was the right move. It was the right move at the time because at that point, like, what are you playing for? One right. more week of the leftovers together, and then at that point, you're still at the bottom because you're you haven't gotten Alyssa out, and you know even if no matter what coming out of that week, if you want to save Alyssa, you're screwed. Yeah. And so your game's over with the leftovers anyway. And so he he did what was best for his game. It's selfish, like in real life, I'd be like you're a dickhead like why would you do that but in this game like that's what we root for we root for people to take the selfish path do what's best for them and see how it plays out and like he did it the right way he was the first to strike before joseph turner could you know do the same thing to him he divulged all the leftovers uh you know history to terrence and Alyssa, and then spent the rest of the week going to Kyle and Turner being like, all right, guys, what are we going to do to save the leftovers? And they'd be like, oh, maybe we should go to Terrence and throw this at, at them. And then he'd run to Terrence and be like, all right, Terrence, this is what they're thinking. So when they come over, you're ready to hear what, like he was playing both sides perfectly. Um, and, and we saw how it ended, how the week ended. Like he managed to take what was a three leftover person outside to two scenario and turn it into Joseph going home, who was the biggest threat outside, outside of Kyle, and then forming something with those four leftover, ironically leftover people, and turn that into a new alliance called the Aftermath, who, and then rallied them. Like, I, I have it written down here. I wanted to ask you, like. But are you talking uh, about the after party? After party, yes. After yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. But it. And he managed to get them all riled up and ready to go to war with the inside, not knowing at all what happened inside. And so, yeah, I think he played it perfectly. Uh, I don't think he should have ever been in this scenario, but because he's there, he, he played it the right way. Um, what I was going to ask you is, like, there was a notice, noticeable difference between the way the two houses worked. You know, inside it was very normal. It was straightforward. You know, they had a target. They got Jasmine out. It was normal. I'm not really sure how to describe it. What I'm really trying to get at is outside. It was almost like a Stockholm syndrome or like people, people talk about when you go through have nots together, it kind of forms a bond. Like something weird happened out there where everyone who survived dire fest, like got brainwashed into thinking like, it's just us. It's us versus everybody. And it's like, like, I don't know what question I'm even asking you. Did you see what I'm seeing? And at, and at the, and when this twist ended, which side of the house were you rooting for? No, I, I definitely saw that, that thing that you just described and, so poetically described <laughs> <laughs> no but i but i get it right because i prior to this point and and shout out to our boy pooch if he listens to this and watches because i want to hear what you have to say about your boy turner but 
I was not expecting Turner, for example, to turn so quickly on. That's what that's what I'm getting to. Yeah, I thought Turner was like this strong person Mm -hmm. who was Mm -hmm. the founder of the Leftovers, and then instantly he turns on everybody and he's saying stuff like, "Oh, I would never felt like I was part of the Leftovers. I was yeah." I'm like, where did that come from? And again, you know, you kind of touched on it, but obviously. In the game, you have people that need to take those selfish moments and look out for what's best for them. But ironically, I just never looked at Turner as that person. And I looked at him as being super, super grateful and thankful for being a part of this group. And he was all in and I thought he was truly going to be loyal. And whatever it was about fucking Direfest. This guy that doesn't fucking take showers has just jumped on board with Kyle and Alyssa and is like, oh, yeah, we're ride or die and we're going to be together forever and I'm going to get Joseph out and just where did this come from, dude? I know I, mean, I he's I, always been was, close to them, but like it must yeah. be like the heat or something just like got to everyone's heads or something. I don't know. It it was it was bizarre. And again, I think had Big Brother decided who ended up in Direfest and Brochella, that things would have turned out differently because obviously the dynamic between the people would have been considerably different. Obviously, had Kyle and Alyssa ended up 100% separated and not been able to be with each other and have those moments i think that things would have made a big difference but again i also feel as if everyone else outside in direfest which i say everyone else is if there were a ton of people but they also probably realized kyle and Alyssa are out here so they are literally defining direfest yeah. So it's either we decide to be with them or we suck. And I, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm being a little redundant, but I really enjoyed the thought process behind the new twist, but watching it play out was some of the most frustrating big brother gameplay i have seen in a very long time and it made me want to not watch at all (laughs) i agree i hope they bring it back but i hope that they execute it better but uh basically the way the week plays out um jasmine gets evicted you know we didn't really talk that much about inside there wasn't that much going on it was just a lot of i mean if she was the target and they once the veto was not used, it was basically guaranteed she was going home. They actually sat her down twenty four hours before and let her know that she was going home, so that she kind of got to process it ahead of time. Um, and then on the outside, uh, I like that Pooch has become a verb now in the Big Brother lingo. Uh, <laughs> but Joseph kind of pooched himself a little bit. He kind of freaked out, threw Taylor under the bus, you know, with her offer of a Final Four with Brittany and. Michael kind of exposing their threesome, really putting a target on them for no benefit of his own. That was never going to really help him get out of the situation he was in. So, uh, yeah, he pooched it. Um, <laughs> and he was evicted 2 0. 
And that was the end of the Brochella Brochella Dire Fest twist. And now, you know, at the end of the episode, uh, eviction episode, we saw the outside door be raised, the reunion begin, and uh, boy, a lot happened in that next 48 hours, but I don't think we have time to talk about that tonight. We've already gone an hour and 20 minutes, and so uh, we will save the plethora of drama still <laughs> on the table for next week's episode but any I like final that. we're giving we're giving a little bit of a cliffhanger yeah it's my sat word of the day gruskin in cleveland kept doing those he was the mc for the weekend in uh, at the wta event he kept giving one sat word for the day so plethora is your sat <laughs> word of the day but uh yeah, we're going to wrap it up there. Any final thoughts you wanted to bring up? I know it was a lot to go over these last two weeks. Any uh, tidbits you want to throw in here at the end? Gosh, tidbits. Uh, I'm just going to say we have so much to talk about moving forward. So <laughs> I absolutely cannot wait. This has been, and I wish I could find it just so I could hold it up to the camera and let everyone <laughs> see, but... One of the notes that I took over the past couple of weeks was, I love this season, but I hate these people. <laughs> and, But I think that is a part of the Big Brother process, right? When you're watching a season and you get involved and there's drama and there's twists and turns and everybody hates each other and everybody's stabbing each other back and you have people who are fucking and I've use the word fuck about 8 million times this recording, <laughs> which I love, but there's so much going on that in spite of, and because of my hatred for the people in the house, it's one of my favorite seasons to watch. I love the fact that a couple of weeks have been a little unpredictable and not knowing where things are going to end up going. And I love that all of my friends that talk about the show with me, thankfully, are on the same page and hate the same people that I hate. And we're officially on the down with Kyle train. And maybe we can start a hashtag or something <laughs> to kind of get that going. Kyle has um, plenty of hashtags already. <laughs> I... Uh... A little preview of what's coming this week. I think the number one trending uh, topic last week was KK Kyle. So we uh, we will get to that drama. Next week's episode will be interesting, but it is a uh, it's an awkward viewer. Uh, Watching the live feeds the last 48 hours has been more of a chore than a pleasure. So it's uh, my only other tidbit I was going to bring up is just the if you remember, we had a two hour episode during the span of two weeks. Um, and it was probably the worst two hour episode I've ever seen. Like, why was it two hours? It was the I, it was the eviction episode for Indy, right? And it was basically yeah. like, I thought that they were going to spend that two hours, the first hour doing the indie eviction. The second hour was going to be all about the twist. And instead we got two straight hours of the, uh, of the punishments. And then we took five minutes at the end to talk about the twist and play out the HOH. So 
that was my one gripe for the week was if you're going to have a two hour episode, like make it for a reason. Don't just have right. two. Don't, don't just double up what you already do. But other than that, I'm out of takes. It's late. So I, uh, I think we'll wrap here. Um, but man, I am glad to be back caught up. Uh, it was weird being away for two weeks. Uh, but maybe I should take more vacations because apparently a lot goes down. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. We'll uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, go like and subscribe. Leave us a review. Um, if you want uh, if you want Charles to talk more about Kyle and Alyssa's sex life, uh, let us know in the comments. <laughs> Please um, do. I'm ready. I'm ready to comment. <laughs> But until next time, we appreciate you all listening, and uh, we will be back for more drama next week. Thanks, everyone.